All right. Well, first of all, uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I had the, I was not at the uh, screening on Saturday at the Atlanta Film Festival of Refuge, but I did get a chance to watch it via screener. And I was, I I really thought it was a profound and uh, lovely uh, film to watch. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. So the first question I have is, what was the genesis of this project? Yeah, so the project started um, back in August of 2017 um, when Charlottesville happened. So the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville um, did to the University of Virginia and really loved that town and that community and it meant a lot to us and we had just really you know had a lot of our coming of age moments there um and the the best parts of that and so seeing so much hatred on display in this community that we loved just really impacted us and we wanted to do something um so that's really how the film started because Clarkston to me at the time and still felt like the opposite of that hate that was on display because Clarkston's a community of people from all over the world, um, for the most part refugees who are fleeing hate and who are deliberately choosing to live and in love and to be kind to one another. And so that's how the film started. And we had no idea back in August of 2017 how full circle the film would come because we didn't know anything about Chris Buckley at the time. Mm -hmm. When, when, uh, yeah, and I, I'll admit, I mean, I, I've lived in Georgia for over 30 years now and it never, I, I had no idea that Clarkston was uh, such a such such a melting pot of a uh, town in terms of all of the different ethnicities, all of the different uh, backgrounds that um, that are on display in that in in uh, in the town. It really, I mean, I, I obviously I I did know that Georgia is much more diverse than sometimes the South is. Uh, considered but it it really was kind of striking to see just the uh the versatility of that community as well as the um the the love that that community have for for everybody in it yeah i mean you're definitely not alone there at all you know we encounter people all the time in our daily lives who are saying wait now what tell me about collection where is it how did it come to be and um you know, I think so much of this kind of radical acceptance that you see in this community is because, you know, the refugee community in Clarkston has, you know, to Aaron's point, been the targets and survivors of extremism in their home countries. And they've seen what happens when polarization and tribalism go unchecked, you know, and one of the kind of radical things about the community is that it's not simply a really, really diverse community of people who are so different than one another. You know, it's, I'm trying to recall it stats, um, over 60 different languages are spoken. People are from over 40 different countries. All of the world religions, the major world religions are represented there. But for so many people, 
they're living alongside people who were their former enemies in their home country. You know, you think about any kind of war or tribal conflict is going to produce refugees on both sides. And mm-hmm. so it's pretty incredible that in this small community, you have, um, you know, Sudanese and South Sudanese people, Sunni and Shia Muslims, Arabic and Kurdish Muslims. Um, and so there's this kind of amazing um, radical acceptance of one another um, because they have lived through what happens when you put ideology or shared ethnicity or shared political um, party above one another's humanity. Mm-hmm. You you mentioned that this that Chris was not in the picture when you first started. What was it when you started off on this project that led you to him? Yeah, so we um, we had been filming in Clarkson for about six months or so, and we'd we'd pretty quickly identified um, Haval, Dr. Haval Kelly, Mama Amina, Mayor Ted, and a few other people who um, you didn't get to meet in the film, unfortunately. But we'd pretty quickly identified them as our the main subjects in our film, and after having filmed with them for a number of months, Haval gave us a call one day and said, hey, I've been texting with this guy, Chris Buckley. He's a a veteran. He um, is a recovering meth addict. And he recently left the KKK. He really hates Muslims. And I'm going to go meet him. And he said, it's okay if you want to bring the cameras. And so Aaron and our director of photography um, joined Haval the first time Haval met Chris. And that was the first time we met Chris. Um, so it was a pretty wild, unexpected twist in the story that we thought we were going to be telling, um, but ended up giving us such a powerful, you know, front row seat to, um, this kind of transformation. Yeah. And I, I think, I think one of the things that is one of the reasons that this movie is so, uh, so impactful and so emotionally the, the way it works so emotionally is the fact that in a lot of cases when we hear these stories of uh, former white nationalists or former or racist and they they all of a sudden are introduced to people, the very people that they've been radicalized to hate and you know, a lot of people use those as an excuse to say Oh, see, it's just a matter of, you know, understanding people's differences, getting to know people different from you, when obviously it's not as clear-cut as that. Um, what was what was it like, that first interaction with Chris, and uh, what, how, and uh, when, when you, uh, when you started to talk to him, what was it that uh, what was it that you what what was it that made him I mean other than his background what was it that made him such a uh, compelling uh, uh, co-subject uh, as well as Haval? Karen, you want to take that one? Like on both sides of my house somehow. So why don't you take it and hopefully the next one I can do. Okay. <laughs> um, so meeting Chris for the first time, um, I was filming in Clarkson that day. So Aaron was with our director of photography, Joseph, and 
I will say, I think we were all a little bit nervous, to be honest. We mm. knew that Haval mm. and Chris had been texting, but you know, they were going to rural North Georgia. Haval is a Muslim, Aaron is Jewish. Our director of photography, Joseph, is black. And that it felt a little, you know, anxiety inducing, you know, is this a good idea? Um, but I think, you know, our first impressions of Chris were really similar to the viewers' first impressions of Chris of like, um, he's a really, really intelligent guy that mm -hmm. is very, um, he has a lot of complexity like we all do. And so I think there is an initial kind of curiosity about him. And he, um, there was so much um, work that he was in the process of doing internally, you know, to what you were just speaking about, Brian, of like, yes, it's important that we encounter and know people who are different than us and whose lives differ from ours and who may, um, you know, have different, have voted for a different person. Like we need to have relationships with people who differ from ourselves and also, some of the really important work that you see Chris do is really looking inward, looking at his own trauma, looking at his own pain, looking at his grief. And I think for so long, he had been numbing and masking a lot of really profound pain that he had lived through with drugs and also with hate and extremism. You know, it was mm -hmm. easier to blame his pain on somebody else than the and then to really look inward and face it and process it and move through it. And so I think while Chris is obviously a, a kind of extreme example, that's work that we all need to constantly be doing. You know, what are the biases that I have? What is my worldview and in what way are those things shaped by pain potentially? And, and what's the kind of self education I need to be doing? Um, and so I think, one of the powerful things that we witnessed while just capturing this film was the power of, you know, a person looking inward and, and um, also the power of relationships to say, like, I see you in your brokenness and I'm not turning my face away. And then this kind of collective um, acceptance and welcome that you see in the community of Clarkston, you kind of see it at all these different scales and it's really a powerful, um, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And, uh, I, I think, you know, the, the thing is, it's like we, when we first start to know under, get to know Chris in the movie, even if we don't feel the same way that he does, we also can, I think, to a certain extent, we can at least intellectually speaking understand why he is coming from the place that he's coming from in the fact that it's like, mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of people. I mean, 9-11, you know, put this idea of Muslims in a lot of people. And so there's naturally going to be a bias there. And then when he goes off to uh, fight in the Middle East and sees that, you know, Muslims are, you know, attacking his friends and killing his friends, it's, you, you get why he would feel that way. And, and I, I think one of the most, to, to your point about him, his seeing that transformation in him, seeing that change in him, I, I think one of the things that is so 
I, I think one of the things that really stood out to me about that is the fact that he's at least self-aware. He's self-aware enough to know that even when he's starting to um, text with Haval, that that prejudice towards Muslims is still there. He's not it just because he's he's starting to interact with somebody with a Muslim just because of the fact that he's he's having these decent conversations. He's still not you know it's not a, it's not an end all fix to what he's been struggling with all this time. I I think that is the way that the the film shows that evolution is just incredible. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I, one thing that we're really proud of is that, you know, it, it, um, it authentically captures that evolution. You know, Chris mm -hmm. was, you know, anxious and hesitant in those first interactions. And it really took time um, of knowing Haval um, and kind of building that trust with one another for him to um, kind of distinguish his perception of Islam and of Muslims from the reality of his experience um, and his growing relationship with Haval. And I think, you know, one of the things that we were really aware of while we were making this, and I think there's a scene in the film that really kind of um, illustrates this powerfully, in my unbiased opinion, <laughs> was, you know, I think as Americans, we are quicker to um, lump jihadist and jihad and, and radical version, radicalized Islam as being reflective of the faith of Islam, which it's not. Mm -hmm. And when you see, you know, in the film, there is a KKK rally and in that rally, you see a cross being burned. And I think for most Americans, we don't see that and think that that is a reflection of Christianity. We see that and understand like that's a radicalized, mm -hmm. you know, um, a warped version of this, you know, not even of this faith, but it's really easy for us to distinguish those things. And I think in the wake of 9-11, um, it's harder. And so I think that's some of the work that we all need to do is be committed to making sure that we distinguish, you know, acts of jihad from the Muslim faith. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, what was, were there any particular challenges that you faced in uh, making this movie? Can you, can, it's the, there's like leaf blowers or something on both sides of my house, but can y'all hear me? Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay. I can't hear anything. Okay, it's a little, they're like a little further away. Um, challenges, I mean, we, filmmaking is so hard. <laughs> um, it's just a very, it's it's almost like starting a startup. Oh, it's coming closer. Can you still hear me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. I'll start over. Filmmaking is so hard. It's almost like starting a startup every time you make a new film, but with a startup, once you're, you know, five years into it, you are have a little bit more smooth sailing where with a film, once you're five years into it, you're done and you get to go start a new startup. <laughs> so it has a lot of the same challenges, I think, as anyone in the startup world has um, of you're, you're building a team, you're building a business case, you're building um, relationships, you're 
raising money. Um, and all of that has so many inherent challenges with it. And then also we have an added challenge that not every film has of that real life happened. You know, we were filming a cinema verte film and real life in our instance made the film, you know, probably even better than it would have been and could have been when Chris was added to it. But we also kept filming the Clarkston story on its own and the Chris and Haval story arc. And so when we first edited the film, it was really looked like two separate films that then we had to merge into one. So that was really a big challenge. And Den and I are both, you know, new filmmakers. Like this was both of our first time directing a film. And um, it's really loud now. Do you want to step in, Den? Yeah, for sure. But we can hear you okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just add that, you know, along the lines of what Aaron was just saying, um, because the story that we set out to capture, which was really focused on the community of Clarkston and this community of refugees that was practicing this kind of radical welcome and acceptance, as we were seeing this growing white nationalism in our country, um, it really took us a long time in post-production to hone in on one clear cohesive story. Like we knew that there was a connective thread between Chris's overcoming of his hate and the community of Clarkson, but it really took us a long time before we could really whittle the film down into, you know, the core of it. And I think a lot of that fell into place for us when we landed on the title of the film Refuge, because mm -hmm. we felt like at its core, and I very much include Chris in this description, at its core, it's a story of people who are seeking belonging and purpose and identity and community and security and also what it is to be that sort of refuge for somebody else and so I think as soon as we honed in on that it really helped us um, focus the film and focus the story in a in the version that you see now which was draft 4972. <laughs> What was uh, what was the most surprising thing that you came away from with in terms of making this movie? Hmm. Um, Aaron, I'll start just because something is coming to mind. Um, I don't know if it was. I mean, obviously, Chris being introduced to Haval was never anything in our wildest dreams that we would have imagined would have happened. But I'll say um, I did not have any kind of real understanding of extremism before we met Chris, before we met another character in the film who you will meet, Arno. Um, I didn't understand kind of hateful ideologies, where a person finds themselves when a narrative of victimhood will resonate with them. And um, something that we've learned from our impact partner, Parents for Peace. They're an amazing organization that really is on the front lines of preventing radicalism in our country. And we just can't speak more highly of them, Parents for Peace. But they advocate that hate and extremism be dealt with and understood and viewed as a public health crisis and um, are kind of looking upstream at who are the communities that are being targeted by extremists and how do we engage with those communities and offer, 
you know, healthy community, healthy identity, healthy purpose before a narrative of extremism would resonate with them. So I definitely think I walked away from this film with a, a much more robust, robust understanding of extremism and what that journey is for individuals and also kind of looking systemically how it can be overcome. Erin, what would you say? There were many surprises. <laughs> yeah, can y'all hear me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I think that's a really good one. Um, I think a big one that, you know, continues now that like people are actually seeing the film um, is that we put a, we were able to put a mirror up to everybody. Um, sorry, it's like so hard to think with these blowers going on. Was the question something that surprised us while making yeah. the film yeah. or something that surprised us in general uh, just while making the film? Either, either way. Okay. Well, in general, what I think is really powerful to me is that we worked really hard and really intentionally for the film to be palatable for everybody because everybody's part of the problem. You don't have to be an extremist like Chris to be part of the problem of tribalism and, um, you know, just the cynicism people have for anyone that thinks and believes differently than them in our country and our culture right now. And so one of the things that I'm surprised by in a delightful way on a regular basis right now is people's reaction to the film and that people, you know, from all walks of life on all spectrums of the political polarization and all religions and races really are able to learn something from the film um, and to feel represented by it in a way that makes them, you know, want to open their hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is next for the film after screening at the Atlanta Film Festival? We are, we're just kind of uh, sharing the film with uh, film festival audiences all over the country. So we have a couple film festivals coming up in May and June. And like the Atlanta Film Festival, most of them are hybrid. And so you can see them in person in that city and also by a virtual pass to watch it at home, which is such a great, um, you know, uh, silver lining, I'll say, to COVID. Um, and then, you know, we're in the process of trying to uh, secure distribution for the film now. And so hopefully when you ask us that question in six months, we can say, you can watch it here on this major streaming platform. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what we're in the process of doing now. And then we're also getting ready to launch our impact and education campaign. Um, and so we really see this as kind of the starting point of the film's life and we're really hoping that it can make a, a really big impact in you know rekindling our ability to empathize with one another and and that's kind of our biggest goal with releasing the film and structuring our impact and education campaign mm -hmm. well thank you very much for your time today as well as for bringing this film to the atlanta film festival and i i i think one of the things i've always this is my fourth year covering the festival and I, I've always appreciated the fact that they they seem to bring very unique 
stories about individuals, about individuals connecting with one another um, through trying times as well as through positive times. And this, this definitely feels very much of a piece with that. And uh, thank you very much for making this movie. And I, I definitely... I definitely hope that more people will seek it out as it becomes available because it is is really I I do think it is an important uh, film for people to watch now. Thank you, and of course, all of the sounds just left as soon as this ends. Um, <laughs> but people can people can watch it through the Atlanta Film Festival um, digitally through the festival online now through May 8th. So we really hope that lots of people watch it that way. It's a great way to support the community and the festival and see the film. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, thank you very much for your time today. It was, it was really great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks thank for having you. us. Have a good day. Okay, you too.